Father, thank you for the opportunities that you've given us. Thank you for the love that you've shared with us. Teach us to obey everything Jesus commanded, just as the apostles did, just as those that have gone into the, into the world, just as we need to share with our neighbors. Father, help us to do your will. Help us to learn today, tomorrow, at this conference, and for the rest of our lives. Help us to always be faithful through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, I'm so grateful that uh, Deb and the leaders in ACR decided to invite us uh, to speak today. And I'm so honored just to be introduced by uh, Pat Gemple. Uh, it's so great. I mean, this is the best thing about conferences. You meet so many new people and gain more friendships. But the downside of conferences is that you always leave some of your, many of your loved ones behind, right? And I know tonight Coco will show a picture of our children, but uh, I want to show you a picture of our grandchildren. Okay, you didn't think I had grandchildren, right? <laughs> I look young, I look young. Okay. But okay, next, I want to show you a picture of our children. <laughs> They're the cutest, I miss them so much. Okay, there's another picture next. Okay, that's my son's uh, little girl. Okay, so it's been great. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing them again in a few days. But what do I do now while I'm here? And I plan to share just about a church in the Philippines. We have about 32 churches. I wanted to share about the story of one of the churches that were planted and a little bit about our family, okay? So since your conference is the theme is now, I found the scripture that has now. So uh, next, <laughs> okay, this scripture is in James 4, uh, 13 to 17, and let me read this. It says, now listen. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your own arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And when I think of this scripture, I think of, you know, just talking about life is a mist. I've been a disciple for 28 years and that went by really fast. I was a disciple at 24 and now I look at myself in the mirror and I'm saying, why do I have wrinkles? When did this happen? And then I remember, Farida, you are 52. It's been 28 years, right? So life, life is fast. Okay, so the question is, what do we do with our life today? And when we start thinking that, we cannot just be thinking of what do I want to do with my life today, but we have to ask God, God, where do you want me to go from here? Okay, and I want to share, when I think of this scripture and just says, now listen. And I do think to be able to obey God's will for our lives, we have to learn to listen and pray. Uh, next. And I want to share a story about this sister in, uh, in the Philippines. Her name is Brenda. Brenda became a widow when she was 29 years old and she had two small kids. She got so depressed that she left Manila and went back to her family in and in the province but because she was so lonely she ended up having an affair okay and that's bad right but what makes it worse is she had a, an affair with her brother-in-law okay and to add on to that she got pregnant and had her third child she because of shame and guilt and of course the wrath of her sister she decided to leave the province because she couldn't raise her family there so 13 years uh, move forward 13 years and her daughter becomes a, um, a, a, a college student in one of the universities in Manila. She gets reached out to, 
she studies the Bible and becomes a disciple. She reaches out to her mom, who's Brenda, and Brenda's so grateful to God that she could be forgiven of her sins. And she's one of the most evangelistic sisters I know. And I remember going to her Bible talk in her village, and, and we couldn't do it in her house because we have to uh, go and use the gazebo in the park because she would have as many as 40 visitors for Bible talk. Okay, but even if she converted a lot of her friends and neighbors, she was always praying, praying for her two kids to become a disciple, her mother to become a disciple, and for her sister to eventually forgive her and also get to know Christ. So, fast forwards, years pass, uh, all her kids become disciples, her, uh, the, the spouses of her children become disciples, and her mother before she passed away, became a disciple, so she's praying. She said, God, just my sister, my sister is one of the last ones in my prayer list, right? Then she finds out that we're planting a church in Dumaguete, which is her province. So she said, Farida, I want to go back and be part of the mission team. And I said, great, sis, go. So she goes, the first one she goes to is obviously her sister. And she's been begging for forgiveness all these years, but she wasn't ready to be forgiven. So finally, she goes and begs for forgiveness again, and her sister forgives her. She studies the Bible, and she becomes a disciple. Amen? So next. Okay, next. Okay, that's her again. No, next. <laughs> okay, next. Okay, that's her sister, Marlene and Brenda. So that's awesome. They're reunited. They love one another again. So they say, okay, now we have to go to our friends who know our stories and share the gospel to them. So they start going to the neighbors and friends and everyone's so amazed. How did God change your relationship? And of course, they said, get to know God, study the Bible. And so with six people in that mission team, in their first service, they had 240 people attend the church service. Okay, and it's been four years and now the Magenta Church has 80 people in the church. Amen? Still no full-time people there, no full-time people. So, amen, but God isn't, I wasn't done with Dumaguete. There was a sister from Hawaii, and she said, you know, there's a church now in Dumaguete. My cousin lives in Dumaguete. So she gets in touch with the disciples in Dumaguete. They reach out to him. He becomes a disciple, right? So then, he, as a young Christian, he's reading his Bible, and then he go, comes across the, the scripture that says, whatever you do to the least of my brothers, you do unto me. And he remembered, I have a friend, um, a friend when we were young, you know, and, but this friend of mine is now in jail. And he's in the island beside Tumagete. It's in Sikihor. He said, okay, if the Bible says that I need to, to uh, think of the least of my brothers, then I have to visit him. So he goes, he takes a banka, maybe a one-hour banka ride. Banka is a small boat. Okay, he goes to the next island in Sikihor goes to the prison, visits his friend, shares his faith, and his friend says, you know what, I want to study the Bible. And so this young Christian says, okay, maybe I can share a few scriptures with you. Then he says, no, 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 I have other friends. So he calls the other inmates, and he said, you, you have to study with all of us. And this young Christian says, I can't, I don't even know, you know. So, so he says, but I, I'll come back, I'll bring people from Dumaguete. So he tells the brothers from Dumaguete, they write the banca to go. They do it every week, they study the Bible, and several of the inmates become disciples. Okay, so it doesn't stop there. That friend of him was released from prison finally, and he said, hey, I'm going to share my faith with my wife. Okay, and so he shares his faith with his wife. Okay, next. Okay, uh, next. And the wife studies the Bible. People from Dumaguete, sisters from Dumaguete, go to Sikihor, study with her. They both are now disciples in Christ, right? So awesome, but it doesn't end there. So they say, you know, we have to tell our neighbors about what God has done to our life. So they go to their friends, their neighbors, people from Disciples from Dumaguete help them study the Bible. And now, next, there's a house church in Sikihor. Okay? And it was just because a young disciple decided to read his Bible and obey the scriptures. Okay? And if we pray and if, and if we obey, God does amazing things. 
Okay, another thing is we have to listen and believe. Okay, listen and believe. And uh, okay, next. Okay, that's my mom. I won't. I don't have time to share about my 88-year-old mom. Next time, if you invite me, I'll share about her. Not today. <laughs> okay, next. Okay, that's my son. I won't share about him too. Because God is going to share about him tonight. But he's not a disciple. He's studying the Bible. And I believe God has a plan for him and his fiancé's wife. Uh, life. Amen. So, next. Uh, no, not yet. Okay, so we have three kids, right? Paul is not a disciple yet, but they're studying the Bible. And we have two girls. They're both disciples. And how we wish that after they become disciples, they become perfect angels until the day they die, right? Just like us. Just like us. Okay, that's not true. That's not true. Okay, so uh, my eldest daughter, uh, she was baptized when she was 15. Now she's 21. And three months ago, she struggled with her faith. And she started liking someone who's not from the church. And of course, that's like, oh, that hurts, right? And I really thought, we thought we'd, we'd lose her. But with lots of prayer, praying, lots of uh, crying out to God, lots of, a uh, lots of anger on the side, you know, uh, we had to ask ourselves, what is God telling us now? What does God want us to do now? And the answer was clear. Love your daughter and reach out to the guy she likes. Right? So I had dinner with this guy, just me and him. I said, I gotta share my heart. Okay? But I had to pray so I could be kind and gracious. Okay? So I feel that that was good. That was good. And then after that, a few weeks later, me and Coco said we have to have dinner with him. So we invited him to our house and we had a fun time. And he said, you know, your parents are cool, he told Francesca after. And he said, because we haven't convicted him yet. That was supposed to be a good dinner, okay? So next few weeks later, we said, this is our chance to share our hearts with them. So we finally share our heart with them. And so Coco said, you know what, if you really want your relationship to work, we shared about how our relationship has been. We've been together for 28 years, and it's only because of God and the church. You need to have God, and you need to have people that mentor your relationship. So they said, okay, we'll think about it. Next day, she calls the elders in Manila. She said, uh, please have dinner with us. And so they said, we want help. Please help us with our relationship. So the elders come back to us and say, Amen, she doesn't want to leave the church anymore. Praise Jesus. Okay, but it's not, it's not over yet, right? So, but I believe, I believe that God is working in our children's lives. No matter where they are spiritually, I believe God has a greater plan. And uh, I wanted to share about my last daughter. Her name's Pauline, but I'm not going to share for her. She's going to share her life with you. Okay, I, uh, this was a, a video clip that she did um, a few months back, so I said, can I show it again? So, I want you to listen to my daughter. Amen? Okay. Is it moving? Do I just tell the story? Okay, what's happening? Can it play? Can it play? Yes? No. Yes? No. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll tell the story. <laughs> okay, it's not playing. Okay, um, maybe I can start talking. Actually, uh, she was brave enough to share in our um, congregational service and to the campus. She's actually struggling with depression. Okay? And, uh, and it's, it's been difficult. It's, it's been a difficult ride for her in her Christian life. But you know what? I believe God even allowed that to happen to her. I believe God has a greater plan for her life. When I get back home this October, uh, October 24, we're going to have a workshop for mental health in, in the church. And we realize she is not alone. And she said, you know, Ma, I want to be part of this ministry. And some ministries are born because of our pain and our weaknesses. And if God does not allow these things to happen, we probably won't go there. And I won't be, she just mentioned, it just helped me. Going through depression helps me to be more empathetic when people struggle. Because I know it is difficult. So I believe God is a plan for our lives. I believe God wants greater things to happen in our lives. And maybe we can just final slide. 
It's okay. Next, next. Okay, so, sisters, what is God telling you now? You, you heard the lesson of Dinesh last night, and you, you're going to hear so many other lessons today. And I believe the Spirit moves in our hearts. He tells us things. When we read about our Bibles, He tells us where to go, what to do. And all we need to do, sisters, is, last slide. Next, is to learn to listen, to learn to obey, to learn to pray for God to give us the wisdom and the courage to do what needs to be done and believe that He is always moving in our lives. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, sisters. Are you having fun yet? I hope you had a great morning. And the title of my message this afternoon is The Time is Now. We must use time wisely and forever realize that the time is always right to do right. And that is a quote by Nelson Mandela. The time to start acting is now, not later. Don't wait for the perfect moment. You take the moment and make it perfect. And that's the call for us sisters. You know, when we look in the book of Acts, and everybody's going to be teaching out of the book of Acts, and I'm sure that the messages are going to be overlapping and you're going to be hearing the same thing again and again, different versions of it. Yesterday evening while my husband was preaching, I'm like, oh my God, that's all my points he's preaching out there. And I had to go back and rethink my message and redo it. So, and I just want to put it out there, my first language is not English. And so bear with me. And also if I'm not politically correct, please forgive me. So the book of Acts is about the early church, empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry on the work Jesus began to the ends of the world. And the work began right away. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, let's turn in our Bibles to Acts 1, 3, it says, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is the risen Jesus who appears to the disciples and others and gives proof of his resurrection. And he was among them for a period of 40 days. And all that Jesus spoke to them in those 40 days was about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was of utmost priority to Jesus. He gave up his very life for it and he suffered much for its cause. But notice how when Jesus came back, he did not focus on the pain and the suffering that he went through or the injustice that was done to him or how hard it was for him. He was focused on the purpose of it all and that is bringing salvation to you and me and to build his kingdom. Amen, sisters. In verse 4 to 5, chapter 1, 4 to 5, it says, On one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then going down to verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come on you, Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, Jesus is giving specific instructions to the apostles whom he chose to build his kingdom to wait for that gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which was necessary for them to start the work of building his kingdom. Because this they could not do on their own strength. It was going to take divine power to preach the gospel to all nations. It is not something that they could do on their own strength. 
This is the promise that Jesus gave even during his lifetime. This was not a new concept. The disciples have heard about this being said by Jesus even before. In John chapter 14, 15 to 18, he promises the Holy Spirit to them. And you know, even God says that in Hebrew 15, 13, 5, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. This is God's promise for us. You know, sisters, our life is a life empowered by the Spirit. Now, people of this world will never understand that. You and me, we have a special and a divine calling. Just look around you, sisters. You are part of an amazing kingdom that Jesus gave up his very life for. And many others, too, when it all started on the day of Pentecost. And it did not stop there. It continues. And you and me, we have been chosen to keep on building this amazing kingdom. And we too are equipped and empowered to do this work. So let me ask you, are you fired up to be part of this amazing kingdom of God? How much do we really value this kingdom and the relationships in it? Is it on our hearts like it was on the heart of Jesus? You know, it's like being part of a great family. You know how it is being in a family. You can't be part of a family and just be focused on yourself, can you? And you think somebody else will do all the chores. Somebody will do the cooking, somebody will do the cleaning, someone will take the garbage out. I'll just do my own little thing, right? And then one fine day you walk in and you're like, what is that stink? What is that mess? And you feel like, you know, oh, you know, I wish I had someone to talk to and no one's around because you didn't take the time to build the connections. And you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk out of there and go find another family to fit into? No, we don't do that, do we? No, we contribute towards building a healthy family through love, through sacrifice, through kindness, forgiveness, speaking the truth in love, and doing your part so each of us can grow up in a healthy way. It is the same with the church sisters. It is the same. I want you to do something. Turn around and look at the person sitting next to you. Put your arms around them and give them a big hug and say, I love you, sis. You are family. And you are all family at a long distance hug from here. All right, sisters. The time to love and the time to show that love is now. Don't put off showing love to one another. But also remember one thing, whatever dysfunction we tolerate in our own family environment, we will bring it into the church. And that is the truth. That is why we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what is not naturally possible for us. So, is your life in the kingdom spirit-led? Is it spirit-motivated? The fruit that you bear in your life, is it the outcome of the work of the Holy Spirit? Or is it the outcome of your own human strength and nature? How is your life today, sisters? Is the Spirit at work in your life? You know, in Acts 2.38, these are all familiar passages and scriptures for us. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are gifted with the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered to live a life worthy of our calling and to build up the kingdom of God. Each one of you sitting here, you are God's chosen worker. You are coheres with Christ. And we are continuing the work that he started and gave up his life for. And this to the glory of God. How is it going, sisters? You know, I look around this room. And I see people from different seasons in life. The teens, the campus, the singles, the young marrieds, right? The older marrieds, empty nesters, grandmoms, and so on. We are all in different seasons in our life. And also, we are all in different seasons of faith in our spiritual journey. We may be feeling very strong today. Maybe we are feeling the strongest we have ever felt. Maybe we feel a little weak. Or we feel like you've grown and matured or not so mature. It doesn't really matter where you are and how things are or how it went on all this time. 
but God brought you here. And you are here listening to messages in the next few days and you have already been listening to messages. Just open wide your heart and let the Spirit lead you. The time to change is now. Don't put that off. Amen, sisters? My first point today is a time to unite. You know, going on in Acts 2, 42 to 47, let's read the text. It says, this is the fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, those who repented and were baptized were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were moved to act. And do you know what the first thing the Holy Spirit propelled them to do? Was to unite together in an amazing fellowship. The Spirit prompted them to build a community. A community with a new and a common purpose. With a new goal in life. With new and common priorities. You know the Spirit knows what is important for the strengthening and the building of a church. And it moved people to be united to come together as a family. This right here is a snapshot of a healthy church. What were the things they were devoted to? We are very familiar with this passage. The apostles' teachings. They were eager for the word. And the apostles continued to instruct and teach them the word. There was a devotion to study out and listen to and learn the word. It did not stop with their baptism. Fellowship. They were eager to meet together and unite in fellowship and create a dynamic of a family in the first church. And there was a joy of wanting to be together. The breaking of bread. They got together to remember Jesus and his sacrifice by sharing a meal together. To prayer. They were devoted to prayer. They got together in prayer as they knew the power of going to God in prayer for guidance, for direction, and to continue to be filled by and led by the Holy Spirit through their prayers. They were devoted to meeting the needs of each other, shared their food and positions with one another so that no one was in need. They were all selfless, generous with each other. You know, the apostles' teaching, prayer and breaking of bread was their devotion to God. Fellowship and meeting needs were their devotion to the believers, to one another. There was joy, there was excitement, they were together, they were glad, and there was a sincere devotion. Does that remind you of a time in your life as a Christian? Does that take you back to your young Christian days? Do you remember your spirit as a young Christian? How inspired and excited you were about this new life in Christ? Were you full of joy? Eager to learn? Grow? Filled with the spirit? Eager to remember your salvation and the, and the cross. You know, you were eager to get, in, get, get together with God in your time of prayer. You were eager to give up anything for the gospel. Your heart was bring, brimming over, right? So sincere. You had eyes only on Jesus. Nothing else mattered. You were so excited. But how is it going today? How is it going now for you, sisters? How is your devotion to the things that unite you as a church. How is it going? How is your devotion to, that uh, brings you together as a church with one heart, mind and spirit? Are you still having that same sincere devotion? You know, here the 3,000 who were baptized were God-fearing Jews who came from different parts of the world to celebrate the Jewish feast and worship together. But now there was a sudden mind change. Their repentance meant that they were accepting something new and different in their life. They were accepting Jesus as their Messiah and putting their faith and trust in Him as the Messiah. It was the same with us. We were used to our old way of life. And when we repented and got baptized, we took on a new way of life. 
And you know, the early Christians faced persecution. They were alienated from friends and family. And in order to survive physically and spiritually, they needed to stay united. And these people came together at a very critical time and learned to stay together as a spiritual family strengthening each other. You know, this takes a lot of humility and a lot of commitment. The ones who were baptized, they had to change all their plans and stay back. And you know, they literally had nothing. But finding the Messiah was worth giving up everything. Like the man who found the treasure and sold all he had to get that treasure. Now they didn't say, let's go back and we'll figure out. We'll go back and see how things will work out and then maybe we will do something. No, they were so eager. They were willing to do whatever it took. They stayed together as a community. You know, this is the foundation on which your faith is going to grow. We need to keep the same heart, the same fervor, the same sincerity that we had to continue to grow in our faith day to day and in our devotion to God and to stay united. It's the time to be united, sisters. You know, reach out and embrace those outside your circle of friends. Don't stick to just your group, your house church, your ministry, your church. Reach out, embrace others in fellowship, pray for one another. Find out what are the needs of the church. Pray for one another. Embrace one another. And build this community in a united way. Build a family together. And to build family, you have to put the needs of others ahead of your own, isn't it? You know, here, we have so many youth here. All the young ones. You need the older ones in your life. You do. There's so much. Such a wealth of knowledge that the older disciples can offer. There's so much that you can learn from them. And the older ones, I will encourage you to embrace the young ones. They need you. They need your love. They need that family, you know, to be a part of. And we need to be there for each other. But, you know, we have so many specialty ministries. We have the teens, the campus, the singles. We can tend to lose the cohesiveness of a family because of that. And we need to see that how we don't lose that. Because when the early church was spirit-led and it started off, started off as a family, a community that was there for each other. They were families together and they were all together because they needed each other. They didn't separate the, I don't think they separated the children from the family. And you know, we need to make an effort, sisters, to keep the unity as a family. And that is so important for our own personal growth and for the growth of the church. So how is your fellowship with one another? Are you vulnerable? Are you open? Do you invite people into your life? Like family does, right? We share everything. We have everything in common. You know, do you have, uh, you know, in, in the family, you have siblings fighting with each other because, hey, who took my lipstick and who took, and my house, that always happens. There are, somebody's always taking somebody's, you know, lipstick or mascara or some makeup or whatever, and they're always having some argument about it. But that's how family is. We share everything. We have everything in common. We invite other members into our family. How is it going, sisters? Do you allow people to come into your life during a time of struggle to help you out? You know, do you invite help when you are in need? We cannot be independent. The first um, community that was established, that was spirit-led and established, was the family together. You know, when other people see this, they will be attracted to it. They will also want to be a part of it. And you see, the early church grew in numbers. They kept growing. And people need to see the joy and the devotion that you have to the Lord and to one another. You know, I want to share about a sister, Metilda. She's a sister in the Kolkata church. She lives in a two-room house with a mother who's bedridden. Now, Metilda... Who's, who has been a disciple just for a few years, she had to give up her job and stay at home in order to take care of her mother. And she was just barely managing to make ends meet. Now, there were two girls who came, to, came as visitors to the church in Kolkata, Julibala and Kumudini. They were new there and they were invited to church. The day they actually came to church was the day after they lost their job and got thrown out of their apartment where they were staying because they didn't have the money to continue to stay there. And when they came to church, they shared their story and they were, they were looking to see if somebody would help them. 
When Matilda heard about this, she, who herself was struggling financially, offered to let them both stay with her at no cost because they didn't have any jobs. And she offered to take care of these two girls. And they were just visitors in the church. What a great heart and spirit of a disciple. She understood what it was like to be family and to pull people in and to embrace others who were in need. You know, Kumadini and Julibala moved in. In, in the next, by the next week, they, within the next week, they found a job. And uh, one of them, that is Julibala, she was actually, uh, before she came to Kolkata, was training to be a nun. And she was in the convent for five years. But she got very disillusioned by the system there and she felt like there is no devotion to God. People are not living like the, what the Bible calls them to. And she was always looking out for a community that was devoted to living the life that the Bible was teaching. Thanks to Matilda's kindness and generous heart, Julie Bala continued to study the Bible and uh, she got baptized. And now she is a disciple in the Kolkata church and they continue to live with her. You know, it's amazing to see the heart of Matilda. She didn't have much, but she understood the concept of inviting someone in and taking care of their need as a family and providing that. And as a result, with the little that she had, she was able to reach out and save someone's soul. And you know, sisters, that's what our family should be like. That's what we should be like as a church. It's time to unite sisters, to unite together and be devoted to our fellowship with one another. Amen. My second point is, it is the time to be led by the Spirit. You know, the book of Acts is all about the Spirit leading men and women to God, to be bold, to be courageous and fearless in sharing the faith and calling people to great faith. Now, led by the Spirit, they all did amazing things for God. Now, at times it bore fruit, at times it got them, it got them persecuted, but they just moved on. Chapter after chapter, we see the works of the Spirit. Now, there's one man in particular that we all know who was filled by the Spirit, and that was Paul. His conversion itself was very unique. Jesus himself came to him and called him to repentance. And ever since he, he repented and he changed, his life has been one led by the Spirit. You know, when you allow yourself to be led by the Spirit, you need to be ready for an adventure, right? I mean, you don't know what's in store. You don't know what's going to come your way. You don't know where the Spirit is going to lead you. That was Paul's life, a life filled with adventure. It changes you completely, but it also helps you to have a great impact. You know, let's look at an incident in Paul's life where he allowed the Spirit to lead him and how that bore fruit. In Acts 15.36, You know, here Paul has started a second missionary journey. And when he started a second missionary journey, his idea was to go back and visit the disciples in the towns they had traveled to earlier to see how they were doing. So Acts 15.36, it says, after some time, Paul spoke to Barnabas. Let us go back and visit the believers in all those different cities. We can go to all the places where we taught people about Jesus. We can see how they are. It's a different version. And then going on to, um, so what's happening here is, in Act, then going on to Acts 16, 6 to 10, I'll read that as well. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now the intention of Paul was to go and preach in Asia and all these different places, but it says that the Holy Spirit kept him from preaching there. Then again they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to. Then Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia begging him to come and help him. And Paul immediately responds to that call. So what do we see here? 
What do we see about Paul? What can we learn from him? You know, preparing this message taught me a lot about the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit to allow me to, to lead me to reach women whose hearts God has been has prepared in advance. It has nothing to do with my ability, my talent, or my smartness. It was all about the Spirit of God. And Paul was a man in tune with or in step with the Holy Spirit throughout his life. Now we don't know how the Spirit communicated to Paul in the first two times. Was it through a vision? I don't know. A dream? Maybe. An inner voice? A conviction? It is not mentioned here. But the third time it was definitely a vision. And the vision was of a man from Macedonia begging him to come. And he immediately responds to that. What we see about Paul is that he made some plans. His second missionary journey, he had a plan and he wanted to set out and go and do all these things in all these places. But then the spirit changed everything. And Paul was not so rigid about his plans of where he wanted to go. He didn't wait for his plans to come to get fulfilled. He was willing to go where the spirit was leading him. He was very sensitive to the bidding of the Spirit and tuned into what plan God had for him and where God was leading him to go. Now we all know that before Jesus appeared to Paul, he was a passionate Jew. He had a very rigid mindset, right? And he fanatically went after the Christians to persecute them. And he believed that what he was doing was right and he was a man who obeyed the law. He was very rigid. But now... We see he was a different man. He was not so rigid about all his plans. He now wanted to be led by the Spirit. He wanted to open his mind up so the Spirit can lead him. He was more Spirit-reliant, not self-reliant like he was before. You know, sisters, are you a Spirit-reliant disciple or a self-reliant disciple? Think about it. How do you feel when you make plans? And your plans are all frustrated. Has that ever happened to you? You make all these plans and you're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And you have the plan for the week and for the month and for the year. And then you have it all chalked out and you think, okay, I got this off. What happens when your plans get frustrated? Do you think that maybe the spirit is leading you to something? Or do you get frustrated? Or sometimes we can tend to confuse a very rigid mindset and a set plan with it being God's plan. God put this on my heart and so it has to be from God and I'm not going to stop until it happens. And you know, when we are rigid about our plans, where we want to go, what we want to do, when and how, we can totally miss out on where God could be leading us to or to whom he can lead us to. Are we in tune with God's spirits today, sisters? So that God can lead us to reach these great women. Because we know that the story right after that, what happened? You know, God prepared someone's heart. And Paul, in going and looking for this Macedonian man, ended up actually not finding a man, but a woman. Can you believe that? And how did he even think that God was sending him there? He must have thought, this is all a big mistake. No, 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 I don't do women. I don't do, I don't preach to women. I am looking for this man. Where is he? You know, we can get very rigid with things that we decide on and not be flexible. There was something though Paul was, like he was flexible about where he went. Do you know why? Because he said, what is the command? To preach to all nations. So it doesn't matter where he landed. What was his job? To preach. Because he's supposed to preach to all nations. We can't we have a rigid mindset about the kind of people we choose to preach to, the kind of place we will go to. I will only go there and I will only preach to this kind of people and I will only reach out to, to this kind of people. No, no, no. We need to have an open mindset, sisters. Because God wants to lead us to all nations to, to reach out to people from all walks of life. And so Paul was very flexible about where God took him and where he went. But he was rigid about one thing. Wherever he went, he opened his mouth and preached the word. And he, pre he didn't hold back. It didn't matter whether it was a man or a woman that he was led to. You know, looking further down in, uh, from verse 11 onwards. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. And the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. 
On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Amen, sisters? You know, <coughs> so um, the Spirit was not just working in Paul's life. The Spirit was working in Lydia's life as well. God was opening her heart. Now she was a Gentile and had put her faith in the true living God. And you see, Lydia, she's far away from home. She's from Thyatira, but she was in Philippi. And I believe that was the hub of where all the business took place. And so she was a businesswoman. And so she had come to Philippi probably to do business. But on the Sabbath, what is she doing? She made time to engage in prayer with other women, seeking to strengthen her faith. And you know, prayer always works, right? And she was praying to God and went, and who, who happens to come there? Paul. Paul is looking for this man from Macedonia. He sees a bunch of women. Did that stop him? No. He knew wherever he went, there's one thing on his heart, his purpose, that is to preach the word. And it, it didn't matter who the audience was, but he opened his mouth and he preached. And then God opened her heart as she listened to receive the message. All those obstacles that were there were removed and she received the message. Now Lydia was no ordinary woman as we know. She was a very high-powered businesswoman. And you know, women like that are not easily swayed, are they? You can't easily get their attention. And excuse me, they're not just not going to listen to just anybody and say, oh sure, I will follow you. I believe you. It doesn't happen that way, right? And you know, she must have been a very smart woman because uh, you know she had business she was trading in purple and this purple dye is what brought the city of Thyatira to universal renown and this dye was produced in Thyatira hometown and was extracted from a particular conch which involved a very expensive process which means that she needed the money to invest in that business and she probably was a wealthy woman and this purple dye you know, was used to dye different materials that were bought by the wealthy and the royalty. So that was her clients that she worked with. So she was well established in society. And she was already a worshipper of God, which meant that, you know, she was, um, she knew about the living God and was devout. But what happens when Paul meets her? What is it that Paul offered her that inspired her to accept the truth? Now what we see is that she came to this place of prayer where other Jews gathered. And there was no synagogue there. And so the place of prayer is always near by the river or the water because they needed to do all their ceremonial washing and all of that. And so she was there, probably studying out the scriptures, praying together. That means she knew all about the Old Testament, the prophets, all the prophecies. But Paul brought a new message. A message that connected with what she was hearing. And he had all the answers that she was looking for. And he brought the message of grace and truth and salvation through forgiveness of sins. But what, what probably inspired her was that she saw that Paul believed this and his life reflected that. And he lived preaching this message and he was even willing to die for it. Paul lived an amazingly intense sacrificial and a sold out life as we all know as a disciple he was so passionate about his purpose you know we know Paul was willing to suffer floggings beatings threat to his life without ever losing his zeal for God and he had a tremendous impact in many cities even on the Gentile world now God brought these two people together knowing what it will take for someone like Lydia to be inspired to have great faith and that was important because she was the first European convert. And she had a very crucial role to play in laying the foundation for the church there. And getting to know Paul's life, probably Lydia saw that he lived for something bigger and better than everything on earth that they lived for. 
His eyes was not on things uh, set on things on earth. It was set on things above. She could see it by his life. She was inspired, and she probably wanted that for herself. She caught that fever. You know, it is that is so evident by the choices that she made right after her baptism. What did she do? She didn't hold back. She she also had great faith, like Paul, followed with great actions. She uses her riches to bless others by being humble enough to show hospitality to a bunch of strangers. And in doing that, she did take a big risk, but not big enough as Paul has taken. She herself was a very passionate woman. You know, unlike other businesswomen who spent, or businessmen who spent all their time developing their business, she made time for God. She was passionate about her relationship with God. And you know, her passion is proven in the fact that she influenced and persuaded her family family members were converted after she got baptized which includes her household of servants and slaves which means that Paul did a great job reaching out to her inspiring her and causing her to be fully committed when Paul came out of prison right after that he got put in prison he got beaten up when Paul came out of prison bruised and battered she welcomed them home she didn't stop to consider what it might cost her she was inspired which prompted her to act in kindness and boldness, taking a great risk. She was not ashamed of the prisoners. She was not ashamed to be associated with them. Now, this whole thing was a public event, which means she publicly welcomed them back into her home. That was a great risk that she took. You see, immediately, she caught on the same faith that Paul had, and she did amazing things. She was inspired by the power of the Spirit, and she just didn't wait for her faith to grow, to develop for an opportune time, she acted immediately. You know, sisters, our faith, our passion, our zeal for God, or lack of it can be contagious. In order to call women in our ministries to great faith, to be bold, to make a difference, we need to have a life that inspires them and calls them higher as we take the message of gospel to them. Does your life inspire others today to have great faith followed by great action? What do they see when they see your life? You know, a life inspired and led by the Spirit makes you bold and courageous and full of faith. And it keeps you focused on the most important thing, and that is Jesus, not on yourself. You know, the women around us, they watch us. The young disciples who are getting baptized and come into the church, they watch our lives. They watch to see, you know, how, how your Christian life is. Does your life reflect great faith to those around you? What does your life show? Are you a true worshiper of God who obeys His word, who is humble when necessary, makes sacrifices when needed, show kindness and love to the weak, who stand by them and hold their arms up, when needed, what does your life reflect? What do people around you see about your life? What do your neighbors see about your life? What do your friends and your colleagues see about your life? Do they see your life as set apart, as different, as full of faith and led by the Spirit, inspired to great action? What does your life reflect? Are you enjoying your Christian life, sisters? When, you, when people come into the church, do, you, do you, they see you carrying a heavy burden? Oh my God, my Christian life is so difficult. It is so challenging. What a burden. I can't carry this. Or do they see you celebrating your Christian life? Is your life a joy or a burden? Are you celebrating your life with your family? Your marriage? You know, your ministry? Regardless of whatever the circumstances, no matter what challenge or difficulties that you're going through, see a sense of joy, that you love being a disciple. You know, faith is contagious. And faith followed by action, great faith, great action is very contagious. And people around you will catch that. Or they can catch the lack of it. You know, a visual always helps, right? They say values are caught, not taught. Seeing how you live your life with faith and passion, call others to great faith as well. You know what Paul confidently said to his disciples? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Could we confidently say that, sisters? You know, we need to do a check. 
on our own lives and ask yourself, where is it at? Where is my faith at? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I bold and courageous enough to make decisions that even challenge me? Am I willing to take risks? When we don't call women to commit their hearts fully, even during the time of conversions, they will become Christians of little faith with little actions. They don't take risks. They fail to be bold and courageous for Christ. If we are too preoccupied with things on earth, we can't call, call others to have faith to plant their eyes on things above and make bold decisions of faith. So whoever the women that we are with, you know, whether it's young, old, middle-aged, whatever, it's important that we believe in people, we give them faith. You know, what, we, what do we see about Paul here? So we need to believe, no matter what the women around us are going through, what their challenges are, what weakness, what problems they have, we need to give them faith to make them believe that they can overcome. They can do great things, but we need to give that faith to them and call them higher, but we need to lead by example. You know what's the amazing thing here is the two conversions that happen in this chapter. And I, um, in verse 16 to 34, it talks about how Paul... Uh, was put in prison and then in the prison there was you know the jailer who actually bound them and put them in prison and then there was the earthquake and all that happens and then the jailer himself gets converted so one was a woman who was a worshiper of God seeking the truth whose heart the Lord opened the other was a jailer a tough brutal guy who had no time and no inclination for God. Totally hard-hearted. How do you reach these people? But God is the one who worked in both situations. God deals with the heart sisters. God is the one who opens hearts. God is the one who makes things grow. But what needed to happen was the man of God who was present in both situations did what he needed to do. He opened his mouth to speak the message of the gospel. And you know, that's all we need to do. Wherever we are, wherever God puts us, in whosoever presence God puts us in, we need to be bold enough to open our mouth and speak the message. That's all is expected of us. God is the one who opens hearts. Once her, uh, the woman's heart was opened by the message that Paul preached, a very gentle message that she heard. The jailer's heart was opened by the earthquake. Now imagine if Lydia was there with the earthquake happened, she would have probably fainted or passed out or run away. And we would have lost her completely. You know, God knows exactly what needs to happen with whom. And he does the work. But are you willing to open your mouth to speak the message of truth? Wherever you are. Or do you hold back? Because faith comes from hearing the word. Now their hearts may be open, but they need to grow in faith. And the faith is going to come and they hear the word. And the word of God needs to be preached by us. Those chosen by God to preach the word. Amen, sisters. You know, we need to pray to God to lead us to those hearts that He has already prepared, that He is going to open. They are in your neighborhoods. They are there everywhere. You know, these people are all around us. And God has already prepared their hearts. All we need to do is be bold to go preach the word. Are we reaching people like that in our communities? Pray about it. The Spirit works. And be in tune with the Spirit. We see wherever the Spirit took Paul, he was very clear-minded about his purpose. He opened his mouth and he preached boldly. He was not unsure about it. He was not timid or insecure about it. He was not waiting, okay, is this the opportune time? Is this the right time? Am I saying the right thing? Am I saying it the right way? Is this up? He didn't wait for all that. He just opened his mouth and he preached the word. It is the word that gives people faith to make a decision. He was bold no matter what the circumstances. You know, we, we too need to be very clear-minded about our focus and our purpose. And we need to be able to be bold in preaching the word, sisters. People are, God has opened the hearts of people everywhere. They are in your neighborhoods, in your children's school, the marketplace, the supermarkets, the malls, the workplaces. We don't need to go on long missionary journeys and get persecuted to preach the word. We can preach it right there in our very neighborhoods. We just need to step out of our homes. We just need to step out of our comfort zones. 
and you know we need to open our mouth and speak the message god wants to use you and the time is now not later not when i retire not when i find the right thing and the right job and when i find the right place and the right house and the right husband then i will think about preaching god's word no the time is now it's today and people are lost out there and they're waiting to hear the message of god you know i want to share about two sisters in the church in bangalore now monica is a sister in the campus ministry and she's also a leader in the campus ministry and she prayed to god for a baptism in the campus ministry to encourage and and to inspire the disciples in a campus ministry because they hadn't had a baptism for a long time and her prayer was very specific though she prayed that she could meet someone who would want to go into the ministry wow now that's an ambitious prayer and the campus ministry organizes evangelism every day at 5:30 in the evening but that evening monica was in a study and then she got a message saying that oh evangelism is at 4:30 at this place and so she was rushing she didn't want to be late she was praying the same prayer and praying that god will open someone's heart you know that day when she arrives in the spot for evangelism she finds out oh someone gave her the wrong time and nobody was there and so she uh, but what she decided instead of waiting for everyone to come she was on her own she decided to go evangelize and she saw this girl sitting on a park bench and approached her now what monica did not know was that um, vicha who was sitting on that park bench usually passes that way at that time but she never sits down and she's in a hurry because she has to go after a class and cook food for her siblings and so she's always in a hurry but that day because she was tired she decided that she was going to just sit down on that bench but while sitting there she just didn't simply sit there she is somebody who felt the burden for for the youth in her own church and she felt like you know the youth were not being reached out to and they didn't really get the good the right help and so she felt this burden she was a believer who went to church and so she prayed sitting there on that bench said god i wish that someone would teach me teach me the bible how to go and help the youth back home and as she was sitting there praying this prayer monica approaches her and invites her to church and in, uh, do you think that's a work of the spirit here's the spirit working in monica's heart and richa's heart and you know god brought these two people together because he is the one who opens people's heart they invite the monica invited her to come to a bible talk right away she went she said yes monica said oh no i understand if you don't want to come she said what you said yes and she was so excited because she was expecting her to say no and vicha got baptized monica finished her studies her masters they influenced each other vicha was in, uh, encouraged by monica's faith as a five month old disciple vicha decided to join the school of mission and so she is in a three year program that we have for our school of mission monica who has financial problems at home and wanted to go work took the opportunity to uh, you know take permission from her family to join the one year challenge and so they're both serving in the bangalore church right now you know god you pray the prayer god will answer your prayer he's prepared the hearts of people i also want to share about the story of sharadama she's a 68 year old woman she and her husband lived in this village far from bangalore and uh, you know sometimes uh, they would hear on the radio they would hear messages about jesus and they were both from a hindu background and uh, sometimes the missionaries would come to their village and hold camp and uh, show movies about jesus and uh, she and her husband longed to know more about jesus and to be taught about jesus and uh, what they did is they would go to the neighboring villages because uh, their village was 100% orthodox hindus and so they went to the neighboring villages where they had they were pastors and they would beg them to teach them the bible but the pastors were not really interested to teach them the bible they were more interested to find out if they had property back in their village so they could buy it and so they were very disappointed but they always wanted to know more about the bible her husband passed away without getting an opportunity to know more about jesus but before he passed away he told his wife don't ever give up your dream of getting to know jesus and she kept the desire alive 8 years later you know there was a brother in the church who had this case uh, property that uh, you know that he was fighting for his property 
and he eventually won the case and that property is in the same village as Shardama. So he went there to claim the property and remembered that he had an aunt there and that was Shardama and he went to visit her. Eight years later, sitting with her, talking to her, he started sharing her, his faith with her. And she was so excited. She was like, take me to your church. I want to come to your church. And he was like, no, it's very far away. You can't come. You're too old. You have to travel a long distance. But nothing was going to stop Sharadana. Finally, someone was here, you know, willing to teach her about Jesus. And nothing was going to stop her. She remembered God's faithfulness, you know. She studied the Bible. Within four months, she became a disciple. And she is the only Christian convert in a village of 5,000 Orthodox Hindus. She has a 14-year-old adopted son who helps her. And you know, every Sunday she gets up at 5.30, takes a bus to go to the national highway, waits for another bus that comes at 6.30, and from there she goes, uh, you know, another halfway to meet her nephew who then takes her home feeds her breakfast and then she comes to church. By the time she finishes the whole service and fellowship and she gets back home, it's three or four in the evening. It's a long ways away, but nothing stops her. She is so eager for the fellowship, so eager. You know, God had prepared her heart for a long time. Somebody just needed to take the message to give her faith. And it's amazing to see her faith. And right now we have a little ministry that is meeting near her village that go, and about 15 to 20 people come there every week. You know, it's amazing to see how God works. You know, sisters, today, the, the time is now. The time to act is now. Don't hold back. The time to be united, to continue to build our family together, to be a family together, to be led by the power of the Spirit so God can use you to go and reach people, if not to the ends of the earth, at least to the ends of your own community. And you know, there are many people whose hearts God has prepared. Go, find them, pray specifically that God will use you to preach the word, to give them the faith. God bless. Amen.